Lauren, and welcome to Two Pills Podcast. In our Two Pills tips, we briefly go over a topic in teaching, like an active learning strategy, innovation in ed tech, or another current event in health sciences education. These episodes are shorter than our full interview episodes, so hopefully you can get some ideas on your way to class. If you have an idea for a Two Pills tip or someone who you think we should interview, send us an email at twopillspodcast at gmail.com. That's T-W-O pillspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Two Pills Podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who is following us there. Or our website, um, which is twopillspodcast.com. As a disclaimer, I am not claiming to be an expert on any of these ideas, and all of this information is freely available online. We include our resources um, and links on our website, twopillspodcast.com. So welcome everyone to 2020, new year, new you, all that good stuff. And so today we're going to talk about new year, new active learning strategies to put into your lectures. So if you're like me, you're coming back from break, you are looking over everything that you're going to be teaching this semester, and you're thinking, man, I got to jazz some of these up. So um, this is the time. Go ahead and start thinking about some active learning that you can put into your lectures Some of this may be review for some of you who already do a lot of active learning, but again, we'll be talking about some of these as more basic ones, um, and then we'll do some of the other more complex ones as their own um, podcast episode. We also have uh, previous podcast episodes on um, topics in active learning, things like escape rooms, um, games, minute papers, things like that, where you can go back and find some of this information in more detail. So let's go ahead and get started with some basic active learning ideas that you can incorporate really easily if you're looking to start, go ahead and put something in one of your current lectures. So let's talk about the definition of active learning. Again, please don't snooze. I promise this will be very brief. Um, So active learning in 1991 was defined as instructional activities involving students in doing things and thinking about what they're doing. Um, So they're more focused on developing students' skills than on transmitting information. So students have to do something. They have to read or discuss or write. It's something that requires higher order thinking. Another definition is active learning involves students' efforts to actively construct their knowledge. Again, emphasizing students' use of higher order thinking to complete activities or participate in discussion in class. So active learning are usually those um, activities that students do where they construct knowledge and understanding. They require higher order thinking. And students have to think about their own learning, providing the link between the activity and learning. One of the reasons we think that this is useful is because it emphasizes that individuals learn through building their own knowledge and they connect this new material that you're teaching them, so new ideas and experiences, to existing knowledge and experiences to form new or enhanced understanding. So we're focusing on students helping to build those connections themselves. Another way to think about active learning when I'm trying to describe it to students is It's the opposite of passive learning, which is, in my mind, reading slides. Reading slides is passive learning. You're the person on the podium just talking away, and students aren't saying anything. And active learning is the complete opposite. Students are actively engaged and doing something. So again, new year, new active learning. Let's talk about some basic active learning strategies that you could get started immediately. One of the first ones that people usually see if you're looking at any kind of faculty development website is Think Pair Share. 
Now, um, Think Pair Share is a great place to get started. Um, a lot of us use it for things like cases and things like that. Essentially, Think Pair Share is where students are given a problem, or a lot of times in medicine, given a case or a question. And first, they think to themselves for one to two minutes. So that's the think part. Then they spend a few minutes um, with the person next to them. That's the pair part. And then after that, they turn to their neighbors and they talk about it as a group, which is the share part. Uh, so this works well in both small and large classroom settings and um, can really be easy to get started because all you really need is a question. Your students are already sitting out there ready to listen to you and ready to talk to their neighbors. So really all you have to do is ask them that question and then set up the think, pair, share format. Another thing that they can do is be writing about a concept. So um, this could be a minute paper. In this case, um, students are given a specific or an open-ended question, and they have to write a response in one to two minutes. So this can be an assess a quick assessment of what the students are thinking about a topic, what they know about a topic, um, and what you can do is have the students turn these in anonymously. You're able to review them and then talk about things that may be confusing or some themes that arose from those quick minute papers. I also use minute papers as a form of muddiest point. Um, so in this case, what you're doing is you're asking students to talk about what is still confusing to them. So I like to do this based on pre-readings before class. So I'll have a minute paper due, say, at noon the day before class and have students say, you know, what is still confusing to them about this material? What are they finding most interesting about this material? What did they already know about this material? And maybe what are they looking forward to know about this material? It should be quick. In true muddiest point, it's really just about what's most confusing. And I find these to be really useful so that you can identify some things that may seem completely off base from maybe something that students have heard in the past or been taught in the past. And you're able to clear those things up um, in a format that is really quick and you're able to address it briefly after class. Another thing you can do is just get your class engaged by asking them questions. I find this is useful too if you're in, say, a setting like Grand Rounds where everyone usually just sits there and gets talked to. If you can ask the audience questions, they're going to be way more engaged into your talk. So that's really easy to do even if you are doing a presentation that's based on slides. Just ask the audience things. I like to ask students things where I'm trying to get them to make a connection to something that they have learned previously. Like I know they can make that connection. Um, it just might be a leap for them. And some classes can do it and some classes can't. But at least by asking the question, you're trying to get them engaged and you can at least get them to usually give you a train of thought that you can guide even if they don't give you the exact correct answer. Another thing that's fun to do in um, some settings is a debate. So you can do pros and cons where one person takes one side, one person takes the other, or a group takes one side and the group takes the other about a certain topic. I'm a big fan of game-based learning. Um, I think that it's a really, really great way to teach. It's so immersive. Students love competition. You don't even need rewards. Games just are really, really great. And I think this is an opportunity for faculty to really get creative. So if you think about whatever your favorite game is, you can often construct an active learning activity within that framework. 
Um, so for example, I've done Survivor, um, we've done Family Feud, um, we've done, I have one that I've done in class called Where in the World is Carmen STD Go? And you can really just do whatever your um, games that you're interested in. I had a student, I've had students do them too. Um, a student recently did Farkle, I've had a student do Osteoporosis Jenga. Um, so you can really take whatever your game format is and come up with your objectives for what you want out of that learning strategy and uh, overlay the content onto the framework of the game, which is already usually familiar to the students and of course familiar to you. Audience response systems are another great way. Um, students are really used to clickers now, I think. And so whether you're using clickers, Poll Everywhere, Kahoot, any of those, they're really nice to get a quick assessment of the group and help keep them engaged. And then finally, one that's easy to go ahead and start um, if you're needing a place to start, and that's case studies. So going over the material, get to a stopping point, ask a case with several questions attached to it. I find that sometimes students come up with things that are really unusual, sometimes really good, sometimes really not what I was expecting. Um, but I'm often having, I'm usually having to modify my cases year to year based on something that students brought up. And um, they can just be a really great way to apply the material and also prepare the students for what will likely be a case-based exam. So we hope these were helpful for you. Again, new year, new active learning strategies. And um, if you have any questions about these, please send any questions our way. And thank you so much for tuning into Two Pills Podcast.